Levels too low? Are we good? We're in the home studio. G- give me some juice, please. You need a little bit more juice. All right, check. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Better? Good? More? A little bit more. Really? Wow. All right, check, check, check. One, that's two. Great. How's that? That's, that's beautiful. Wow. Man. Now I got to turn down my headphones because I'm like, I, I used to be kind of like a, oh, man, I can handle it. Now, now it's as I get older, the loud noises hurt my ears, Josh. The loud noises hurt my ears. Yeah, it's too early in the day for all that, uh, all those shenanigans. No kidding, man. How was your Tuesday night? Anything exciting in the world of Helmer at all or nah? Nah. It was good. Uh, I watched a lot of basketball. Uh, oh, I'm, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm in college basketball mode. I will tell you these, uh, and I'm not going to be in the business of picking on student broadcasters a bunch go ahead but uh what what i've watched the last couple of nights on big 10 plus is just it's <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> so you're saying that we uh were a little bit ahead of the game over uh at sooner vision on espn plus oh my goodness not not even close man what are you uh what, what game well you know what i don't want you to feel like you're throwing anyone under the bus but you're just saying we could use a little upgrade and maybe some of the talent might be inundated with football and maybe some volleyball right now? Indeed, and I know they're young, but uh, I'm just saying if you're charging people $15 a month, then probably you need a professional product. But, hey, Mm. good morning, my friend. Ah, good morning. So let me just go ahead and say uh, I'm sorry. It's We only get a couple of days in studio together during football season. Monday's word OU. For the Coach's Corner show, right? Thursdays, we are uh, at Cavens, and usually on Fridays, we're on the road. Either it's an OEC Fiber football Friday, or we're literally going to the game. So I apologize for not having our uh, ability to do the in-person show today. It is a big day for the Plank family, because uh, a, a lot of things are going on that involve me literally doing nothing but sitting here. (laughs) <laughs> we are a uh, part of a, I, I don't know, well, I say we. I'm not really doing anything. You're just surveying, it sounds like. I'm, 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 I'm literally, it's going to be the worst day of my life. I just, <laughs> I've already accepted that because as soon as this show is over, I'm, I'm doing three things. Number one, I'm at the beck and call of, of my wife, who is responsible for the church meal tonight, Josh. Big night, Wednesday nights. Out in Washington. And I feel like it's been several months. It has been. Since it was your Wednesday night. It has been. So the dream team of uh, Tommy Ann and, uh, uh, oh gosh, who's all with her? Jessica Wilkerson, Trevor and and Jenny Anderson. Like uh, Trevor's not doing anything, right, Trev? But, I mean, the dream, they're making lasagna tonight. You're all invited. Come have dinner with me tonight. But so I've got to be here and ready to go if if S hits the fan. But that's that's really Josh Helmer. That is the minimal part of my obligations today. That's the minimal part. Because do you know what I have to sit around and wait for today? I gotta wait for the dishwashing guy to show up. Oh now, no. Now again, to be fair, um, you know, this isn't a person that comes over to our house and washes our dishes, I probably should have clarified that. We've got a dude that washes our dishes, Josh. No, we had to get a new dishwasher, which, uh, again, another little nice, nice kneecap expense. So I've been giving the, I've been given the time frame. And unfortunately, the time frame was one, and a great dude, super nice on the phone, 
where it was, hey, it's going to be around this time, but if anything pops earlier, I'll give you a call. So I'm like, okay. So yeah, I had to be here just in case. And there might be a moment in the show. What's funny, <laughs> what's funny is at my, at my home, where the actual kind of radio setup is, I, we could probably turn this into like an Airbnb. It used to be a garage for an RV, and now I put a couple TVs in here. I, I've got a microphone, obviously, and the equipment necessary. Uh, I have the same thing that every single office has. I have a printer that doesn't work, right? Everyone has a printer that doesn't work in their office. But uh, I, I keep waiting until that moment where someone's like, is that a door on that garage? Is that where they are? So we'll see just how awkward things get today during the program. So, yeah, so I, I'm sorry. I hope you'll forgive me. And by the way, thank you, TJ and Brian man and uh, the, the boss lady, Casey, for letting me do this today. As you know, I'm not happy about it. Well, you're already forgiven, and I hope your new dishwashing experience is lovely, if, uh, if and when that arrives today. <laughs> right. <laughs> What time are you going to be here? <laughs> oh, but it could be earlier? Well, and, and I'm right. even just thinking through the lens of, let's hope that there's nothing problematic. You know, oh, we just gosh. hope everything goes smoothly. How many times whenever someone comes over to either install or deliver something, and they're like, oh, oh, no. Well, we need to get this, this, and this. Um, we'll have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's oh, not gosh. your story. Okay. It's a wipe and Wednesday. By rules of this very radio program, Josh, what are we supposed to do throughout the three hours today and then move on? Well, just that. We're going to share our final remarks and thoughts from Oklahoma State, and we're going to wipe this thing. We're going to start focusing on West Virginia, we think. Now, I do want to point out in the – I keep thinking – I'll say the brief history. This show's been around for a minute now, right? Everything kind of pales in comparison to the – T-Row and TJ run, but we've been around for a minute. That's now. right. We don't talk numbers, but uh, they are growing. They're growing. And I would say in the, because I almost said in the brief history, but we're not really that brief anymore. In the history of this show, or at least maybe in the brief history of the Wipe and Wednesday, last week was an abjunct failure. I mean, it was the worst we ever did in wiping it and moving on, Josh. Yeah, it was a historical <laughs> low point for us. That's true. As, as far as this program and its metrics that we measure it by, which is the ability to move on and hit our marks, we failed miserably. I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case this week. Uh, uh, because I still feel like the discourse, if that's a term that gets used too much, I'm sorry. But the discourse, the the narrative, the frustration, the, the disappointment, I don't feel as if time has healed those wounds from the last few weeks, right? Uh, you, heard, you heard TJ, I'm sorry, you heard Toby talking about it, and I woke up to a a, a message on Twitter with Kelly, who's become a, a an absolute uh, spark plug on this program, she was just fired up on Twitter. Just fired up, man. Letting it all go. Can uh, it Chevrolet text line? It, when you look at the, the – um, we have a page where I like to keep things because, I mean, the thing will reset like crazy, and all of a sudden you're reading a text and it'll disappear. So I'll put them on something called a prep page. You look at the prep page, Josh, we're probably what, you know – in just picking out a handful over the last few weeks, 30 deep in ones that we didn't get to from 
anger and disdain and just outright frustration. Now, I want to be clear here. I want to be clear. I'm not trying to paint the whole fan base with this broad brush of it all sucks, it all stinks, I can't even believe the sun came out today. There's there's some that say, hey, listen, let's, let's ride the ship. Let's go. There's the sunshine pumpers, and that's fine. But I feel like, and I, I include the UCF game in this because I didn't think they played all that well against UCF. I just feel like in this last three games, it's a mystery that is that has an obvious answer, but yet in that answer, it still isn't good enough. Let me explain. It's a mystery that you could play as well as you did through the first seven games, struggle to beat a bad UCF team, get beat by a good Kansas team, get beat by a good Oklahoma State team, but yet the answer is very simple. You turn the ball over, right? You turn the football over. But then that gets to that next step, which is, why are we having that big of a problem with it? And then if you're going to say, well, turnovers are the problem, what about 11 penalties versus Kansas? What about four false starts all from wide receivers, three, three different dudes on false starts last week? I mean, it's just there's so many things that seem to compound, Josh, whenever you find yourself, okay, we're looking ahead. We're looking ahead. But there's these yeah buts or WTFs or, or however you want to kind of define it that still just blow your mind from how this could have happened the last few weeks, right? Just blows your mind. Sure. From from where we were at coming out of the Texas game to uh, what has happened and – you know, in particular, UCF the first quarter. I mean, you're dominant defensively. Okay, you you miss a kick, right? You don't you don't mm-hmm. capitalize enough offensively. But uh, I mean, it looked like defensively, maybe they weren't going to move the football on you all day. And really, from that point forward, second quarter on, it's been yeah, a different football team. So we have the Brent Venables press conference where were you su- surprised at all? With the on to West Virginia mantra from coach, did you feel like maybe even he felt that within the within the confines of the locker room? And I'm, maybe I should rephrase that because I don't even think I would say the locker room, but just within the building, there was maybe a little bit too much dwelling on what went wrong the last few weeks, and the focus needed to shift. I I didn't think that was anything negative about the question or anything negative about what he said on Monday night. But and maybe I'm reading into it way too much, Josh. But I just maybe they're trying to wipe it clean. But on the, along that same lines, there just seems to be a little bit too much dwelling on what's happened the last few weeks. Am I le- reading way too much into that? Well, I, I think definitely Coach Venables didn't want to just stay in the weeds of okay, hey, we've got a rolodex of plays that are better than the one we called, right? It's and maybe to some degree he wishes he hadn't said it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's fine that he said it. But he didn't want to spend a bunch of time talking about it again, right, for three or four more questions about, hey, wh- why did we not get this one play call right? Which, which makes sense. Because guess what? They do have to move on. They do well, have a good West Virginia team this week. Correct. And, and then there is also some context. And I, I hope we brought that yesterday. If you just and I'm not I'm not dogging anyone. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because it was said. But if you just see 
we have a Rolodex of plays better in that situation, our Rolodex of calls better, and that's all you see and hear. You think that either Ted or I said, hey, what about that fourth down play? And Brent Venables looked and said, we had a Rolodex of better plays we should have called, which wasn't the case at all, right? No. But but if you just take it in that and that's all you see, then suddenly it blows up to an unbelievable level. Like whenever we played the comment that, uh, why am I blanking, Weatherford can Ethan Downs made post-game, where he's like, hey, you got to do away with the cancers in the locker room. If you just hear it like that, you think, oh, my gosh, what's going on in this locker room? There's problems. There's, there's issues. What's wrong? But when you hear the whole thing, you're like, oh, okay. Britton Venables did say on Monday night, hey, we have a Rolodex of better plays in that situation, better calls in that situation. But then he also said afterwards, you know, and there are some things you can do better on the route. But if you don't, if you just stop there, then you can get into that, oh, I'm going to hear what I want to hear. Now, it's a, it's obviously a wildly awesome take, right? A, a quote from a coach. But there's also context to it. So whenever he's like, hey, we're on to West Virginia, you're right, Josh. I, I don't think we're going to sit around and dwell on the mistakes that were made. They're going to try to fix them. We also, we also on a wipe it Wednesday, Josh, we're trying to start looking ahead a little bit too because West Virginia sideline reporter Jed Drinning is going to join us in exactly 10 minutes from now. So we're going to learn a little bit about the Mountaineers, Garrett Green, C.J. Donaldson, what they've done defensively, and kind of get Jed's take. Jed is a, a former quarterback. He's got a great football mind. We'll get his take on all things West Virginia leading up to Saturday's kickoff. But when we come back, Josh, you okay if we dip our toe into the playoff rankings from last night? I would love to. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard what you shared with Toby, and I'm curious to well hear that exchange about Michigan. Mm. We'll get to it next, coming up right here on The Ref. Guys, one more question on the Michigan situation. I know you said last week that it's a NCAA issue and not a CFP issue. And I'm wondering if you've had any discussions about determining when it becomes a CFP issue. Hey, it's Bill again. Um, we are not a governance body. And so we're certainly all aware of the Michigan situation, but it's just not a CFP matter. We will take what we get from uh, from the NCA or from anybody else, and whatever tax are available to those other groups, I know they will consider. But we we're we're all we all we do is is rank the teams that are that are eligible for our games. That was the moment, uh, one of a couple last night, where Bill Hancock, who is awesome, the executive director of the College Football Playoff Committee, basically jumped in and said, "We're not talking about this, right?" And, if I can mince words there. I thought the question, I included the question because I thought the question was great, Josh. At what point does it become an issue that you have to talk about? We are we are on the verge of getting some answers here, right? Michigan has until the end of the day today or tomorrow to respond to what the, the Big Ten and the NCAA sent them. But, I mean, I, I think it's a fair question, and I just – 
I don't really know what you could do in the playoff committee's eyes right now, right? What what could you really do? What could you really say? Because we don't even know from the evidence out there just how much we can prove it actually benefited Michigan, right? No, we, we can't. It's it's a little bit uh, maybe subjective Very. In, in that sense. Probably, probably what they can prove is that uh, – definitively mm-hmm. that uh, that Michigan clearly was was skirting the rules and to what degree or fashion they gained an advantage probably at that point doesn't matter to the investigative bodies I went back last night and I was digging through past rankings and this is the first time now I don't include 2020 I I don't include 2020 I don't include and I, and I understand that. Well, wow, you're taking away from a whole nine years of rankings. Ooh, but I mean, 2020, we didn't play full season. There was, I mean, we didn't. Some teams didn't even really play a full conference season, right? And Ohio State made the playoffs when they had won what five games. So I don't include the college football playoff rankings from 2020. But do you realize that one through eight? had never, and I mean ever, outside of 2020, been unchanged from week one to week two. I mean, it it hadn't happened. And we had a little history last night. In 2017, one through six stayed the same. But Josh, I, this is what I was joking about with T-Row this morning. I don't have this, I guess, hot, takey bone in my body where I want to scream and yell and be outraged because I don't think there's absolutes right now. I can't believe Alabama remained ranked below Texas and Oregon. Great. Went out, beat George in the SEC championship game, and then we'll see what happens. Everyone wants to deal in these absolutes now. Michigan's going to play Ohio State. Uh, Washington and Oregon will likely have a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game unless someone uh, stumbles. Did I say Michigan and Ohio State? Michigan and Penn State are going to play each other still. I mean, I just... I love I get it it's a TV event but maybe for like developing a conversation around the rankings Josh leaving them the same was about the most controversial thing they could have done right I mean even if they would have jumped Michigan up to or, or Georgia up to number 1 everyone would be like oh okay that's not that big of a deal I see it I get it but I mean it does I'm not really too upset that Georgia stayed at number 2 I'm not really too shocked at Ohio State State and won. I mean, maybe the most surprise and a pleasant surprise, I kind of thought that they might jump Alabama over Texas and Oregon. I, I just thought that from the, the history of, of how Alabama is viewed in the eyes of the playoff committee. But they didn't. So I, I kind of was impressed by that, to be honest with you. Was there any hot take that you came away from last night? Not really, and... You know, obviously, with Texas having the head-to-head win, it's tough to justify Alabama leapfrogging sure. Texas. Now, if you want to put Alabama in front of Oregon, that probably means you're putting both Texas and Alabama in front of Oregon, and they didn't do that either. Mm-hmm. I would add one more thing. I would add one more thing to it. They're kind of digging the Pac-12. I mean, that's, and, and maybe rightfully so. Because I don't know if in years past, Josh – Washington and Oregon, even with Washington undefeated, would have been able to survive staying at five and six with Alabama doing what they did and Texas still winning. 
I think it would have been like, oh, the Pac-12 is soft. It's not that good. Now you look around. They, I mean, even after you know Utah got spanked a couple weeks ago by Oregon, but they bounced back and demolished Arizona State. They didn't drop them too terribly low after it. They're still at 18th. Whenever USC and UCLA drop out along with Air Force from the poll, they actually pop another Pac-12 team in in Arizona. Like, I don't know if in years past, if a, if a Pac-12 team dropped out of the rankings, I don't know if there would be another Pac-12 team that was waiting to jump in. So that was one thing that stood out to me. Well, and yet, you know, it makes sense, right? Because Arizona's got three nice wins in a row. Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA. Do you have any problem with the Sooners dropping to 17? I mean, how could you? you you've, you've lost back-to-back games, and the two teams ranked in front of you are the teams that beat you. I don't have a problem with it. I hate it. I hate that I don't have a problem with it. I wish I could come in here and spit and cuss and yell and sell and say, how dare you? But until they play better, Josh, it's just kind of it's kind of tough. And that brings us full circle back to the Michigan conversation and what kind of role it's going to play, if any, in the final. How many more of these rankings do we do? Four more rankings? And I don't – unless it is proven – that they absolutely benefited without any reasonable doubt, and I think Michigan has done a great job of muddying the waters in this conversation, I think they're still going to make the playoffs. As, as long as they don't get blown out by Ohio State. And then they want uh, – Big Ten still in division, so we won't have a rematch. Who is even in the mix right now, Josh, for that Big Ten East championship? Well, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. No, no, I'm I'm sorry. Big Ten West, I apologize. Oh, everybody. Everybody's in the mix for it. Uh, Iowa's alone out in front right now, but uh, (laughs) Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois, everybody's there. Nebraska's still alive after after getting beat by Michigan State last week? (laughs) Oh, yeah, they're right in the thick of it. Oh, my God. They were tied for the, the Big Ten West lead last week. It's so funny to me. That the Big Ten was one of the uh, the conferences that, like, no more divisions. We need to do away with, di- with divisions. And for some reason, they stayed with them this year, and it's absolutely going to kneecap what could have been a, an amazing Big Ten championship game. All right, there's some quick thoughts on the rankings from last night. We'll hit your text on it from the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. We'll hit those coming up here in just a bit. But when we come back, Let's start our preview of West Virginia. Let's learn what the Mountaineers are all about. Their sideline reporter, Jed Drenning, joins us next right here on The Ref. All right, let's hit up the Riverwind Casino jackpot line as we are pumped to be joined by Jed Drenning. He is the sideline reporter for the West Virginia Football Radio Network, and he joins us from Morgantown. Jed, man, what's going on? How are you on this Wednesday? Oh, I'm driving around the beautiful mountains of West Virginia. The beautiful mountains in November are just – as beautiful as they are any other time of the year. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's great to hear your voice. I'm pumped to see you this weekend. Uh, yeah, it might be the sure. final trip, and, and even in the short amount of time that West Virginia and Oklahoma have been together in the same conference, I don't know if there's been more memorable games than these two teams have played against each other, from fantastic finishes involving Landry Jones and Kyler Murray and Morgantown to Jed, what's odd in in Norman, it seems like the games are completely different. They're a little bit more defensively oriented, sometimes a little bit more of an offensive struggle, if you will. It's To me, I'm really going to miss it because I think it's been a fun series between these two teams. 
it's interesting to get your perspective because uh, I bet it has been fun. <laughs> you know? Well, fair point. It's yeah, not I been quite as fun for us, but you're exactly right. There, there have been some entertaining football games. Uh, I mean, right down to I, I, I still I was revisiting my notes from the last couple of years against you guys when I put my broadcast outline together each year. That's where I start the last couple of years material that I look through, and and I'm still shocked that the 2021 game in Norman was the first walk-off game winner in the history of Sooners football. That blows right. my mind. But but uh, yeah, even back to the 2013 trip, what a strange defensive struggle that was. We had the one long, dreamiest Smith run, or you guys would have blanked us. Uh, but there have been some moments. I mean, it's, it, it's such a strange, uh, tilted matchup that, I, I, I mean, you might be – like, well, when I think of the Tavon game against you guys, uh, you would certainly think the way that that's talked about and revered, not just by Mountaineer fans, but talked about by college football fans, the performance that he had with 572 all-purpose yards, 344 rushing. We got beat. We got beat that night. You know, we couldn't finish that one. Uh, the shootout with Will and Kyler, uh, you know, when you guys had two defensive touchdowns to win a 59-56 game, I mean – if you're a neutral bystander who just likes college football, there have absolutely been some games to entertain you. Uh, it's just on the West Virginia side being on the business end of it so often until finally, you know, we got you guys a little bit out of sorts last year and the circumstances fell our way and that walk-off game winner for us. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, when, when you go up against one of the brands, we kind of knew this going in, uh, a brand like Oklahoma – you're going to, have to play your best football and then hope for some some breaks, and uh, that didn't happen until last year. The breaks didn't happen until last year. We played some good football against you, but sometimes good wasn't good enough. You know, it's it, it, I, I'm not going to be a homer and just start here, but since you brought it up, Jed, what have you made of Brent Venables and Team 129, 129th year of OU football? What, what's kind of been your opinion of of where the struggles have been the last few weeks for this Sooner team? Uh, first of all, you're like most teams, uh, a better team at home than on the road. Uh, and this league, even for us, this league doesn't have any empty chairs. When you look at the schedule, when, when we play team X in the big 12 in a given week, we recognize that you better show up and bring it, uh, or you're going to get beat and we're not Oklahoma. So I can't imagine being a, you know, circle the game on the calendar type game like Oklahoma is for everybody and taking their best shot. So it's not like these two teams the last couple of weeks in Kansas and Oklahoma State that knocked you off in front of their own crowds with all the home field advantages, didn't play good football and aren't good teams. And I promise you, we all know about Oklahoma State, set that one aside for a minute, and what that means to them. But even Kansas, that was the signature win to take this Kansas program under Lance Lightfoot to the next level. Uh, and so, yeah, you guys are taking everybody's best shot. I mean, eventually that just wears on you. Uh, it, it's difficult to play impeccable football each week. Sometimes those hiccups are going to catch up. Uh, last year, even when you were struggling last year, uh, you were on the short end of all these one-possession games. Well, this year you turned that around uh, until the last couple weeks, and those two were one-possession games. So that's what I think. I mean, I look at it, I see you as a much better football team and fun, more fundamentally sound this year than last year. Uh, more dangerous, more effective defensively. Uh, but 
I just can't imagine taking the other guy's best shot every week because we sometimes take it too, but I'm sure not to the extent that you guys do. Jed, let's talk about the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, boy, Garrett Green just really seems very confident. That was a mauling by the West Virginia offensive line against BYU this past week, and I think the line is the strength of this team. Your center might be the first center off the board in the NFL draft. How have you seen things come together for this offense over the last few weeks? Yeah, the strange thing is it, it kind of looks like and resembles in many ways an Oklahoma offensive line. It really does. I mean, with, with what Bill has done out there. But uh, we, we think we got some NFL guys in that room. You talked about Zach. Really, it all started with Zach. Uh, we, we struggled. When Neil took the job in 2019, we struggled historically to run the football. I mean, we were talking about numbers so paltry. We were digging up records from the 1968-69 season, the last time we struggled to run the football like that. It all started to turn the corner in the COVID year of 2020 when Zach Frazier was a true freshman. He was part of that class. He came in and started as a true freshman. And then we started to put pieces around him. Uh, we got two West Virginia kids uh, at both tackle spots. We got a really uh, exceptional kid at left guard. who was a former freshman All-American, Tomas Remack. We got Brandon Yates playing great football right guard. Uh, but, guys, I, I talked about this so many different places this week because I think two guys that have been unheralded, up front for us. We knew what this offensive line could be coming in with the five that I just mentioned, but we didn't recognize the level of depth that we would have because the issue has been those five have very, very rarely been intact. They haven't played together a whole lot at all. It's either one or the other has been down. Well, the two names are Jaquay Hubbard and Nick Malone. West Virginia has averaged 72 offensive snaps a game. When you combine the reps that Nick and Jaquay have logged together, they're playing 65 snaps a game. So basically those two reserves have been a full-time starter for us. Wow. And we haven't missed much of a beat with those guys being inserted. So I do think we have to give a shout-out to them. But the offensive line, it's been, ta- it's been a work in progress for four years, and now it's where we wanted it to be. That's where Neil and his staff envisioned it. And it's kind of led the way for everything else, even the shortcomings on the defensive side from a depth standpoint. We're really banged up linebacker safety we are paper thin so holding the football for nearly 34 minutes a game has limited those reps you guys have defended almost an entire more games worth of reps through nine games than we have because we're trying to play keep away because we have to wow i didn't even thought of it that way what is um cj donaldson is such an amazing story to me hey jed you got to take us back all the way to last year and i had cj donaldson on my depth chart as a tight end then I watched the Pittsburgh game, and yeah. I thought, that's the best running back I think I've seen in a while. How has he developed, and kind of is, is this out of nowhere for people in West Virginia over the last few years, or did you know the ability that he had? Uh, it, it's been a, a somewhat disjointed story. In other words, he, he caught everybody by storm. If you were in camp, uh, prying eyes didn't see this, but he started to open some eyes in camp especially in short-yarded situations, and then it kind of took the next step beyond short-yarded situations, and you recognized that's how it started. They wanted they wanted a short yardage back. He was big. He was physical. He's 240-plus. Uh, he was a very versatile kid coming out of high school, and he was recruited as a tight end. But the more he repped, the more you recognized we got to have him in the backfield and get the ball in his hands, and, and he came out and exploded against Pitt, and then the rest was kind of history, but he couldn't stay healthy. So he got up to 87 carries, and boom, he was out for the year. And uh, so he spent the offseason recovering, 
And uh, we came into this year hoping he would pick up where he left off last year. Early in the season, to some extent, that was the case. But then he kind of went into a bit of a shell. And and I, I think we were all trying to come up with different narratives to account for this. He vanished for three or four weeks. Hmm. And I was like, well, for a guy who hasn't spent his life training his body to take the shots that a Power 5 running back has to take, uh, it has to be difficult. Well, the good news is, wherever it was, he's out of that funk. In the last two weeks, starting with Central Florida going into BYU, he's back to the old CJ. And th- those two, when I talk about CJ and Jaheim, they really complement each other. Jaheim White, the more shifty, elusive, smaller kid, they really complement each other because CJ is the big, physical, 240-pound bruiser. Uh, he's very effective in that zone scheme because he has the vision for it. Uh, whereas Jaheim, he's more than a switch-up guy. He... Uh, he can run the zone scheme because of his burst. His eyes are getting better, but he can kind of be later to react to it and still hit the edge because of his quickness. But even when you go gap scheme with that kid, when you pull a couple of those big body guys up front, he gets lost behind those guys and those trees, as Tony Caridi likes to say. And he's hard to find. So those two have worked very well together. And you sprinkle in what Garrett can do with his feet. It's just been a nice combination. And I think this is where – Neil Brown and Chad Scott OC envisioned this offense from a running game standpoint to be. This was the path to success. If we were going to have any kind of success or production this year, it would have to look like this. Two more, and I'll let you get out of here. We're hanging out with Jed Jennings, sideline reporter for the West Virginia Radio Network. Where would you say is the strength of this Mountaineer team, Jed? The offensive line. Hmm. It's not even close. It's the offensive line. Uh, the pleasant surprise has been – uh, on the other side of the football, the, the rotation of that defensive line, because there were some question marks based on what we lost, Dante and on down the line. We lost a lot of talent on that side, and we knew it was going to be difficult to replace that. But, but a combination of player development, portal additions, uh, we go, guys, we go seven, eight, maybe even nine deep, and they've all played a role. And, you know, Coach Andrew Jackson does a tremendous job of rotating those guys in, rotating those guys out, keeping them fresh. So that served us very well. So uh, I think the surprise has been the defensive line, but the strength has absolutely been the offensive line. And, and then finally, obviously we're, too, we're dialed into our guy, Ren Baker, an Oklahoma guy taking over as the athletic director. Uh, Neil's done a solid job this year. Our – are we going to see Neil get more opportunities? Is it still up in the air? And I know, Jed, it's probably unfair for me to ask this of you. You spent a lot of time around Neil, and I know that you guys have a great relationship. But do you feel like he's quieted and silenced the critics enough to where he's going to be around for a while? We're, we're bowl eligible with three games to go against the third toughest schedule in college football. Uh, I think we've worked our way up to the point that the, the question will answer itself. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's above my pay grade. That is a red <laughs> decision. But sitting here at 6-3 and three, uh, with the schedule that we have, uh, yeah, we, we left some things on the table, but we've also found a way to win a couple of these close games. In this league, the, the margin for error is so razor thin. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sitting here at 6-3, and three, I think the biggest thing was, and this is the refrain that I keep going back to, you think that that would have been – some seminal moment based on the struggles we had last year, the narrative coming into this year, the 14th in the preseason poll, that has been the absolute jet fuel in this building, uh, the 14th in the poll. I mean, we, we finished the season winning two out of three with big wins over you guys in Oklahoma State, and we thought that, look, 
we got holes, we got question marks, but 14th in a 14-team league, that has absolutely served as a major impetus every moment of every day to prove that we are not the 14th team in a 14-team league. So uh, I think that hitting bowl eligibility and, and treating it as though it was a speed bump, uh, that, that says as much as anything. We have three games left. We have other things we want to accomplish. We're not even talking about it or discussing that. That was, that was a foregone conclusion for those within the building. You're awesome. So that, that's how I would take it. All right, buddy. Safe travels. Uh, never say never like you tweeted, but we'll see if maybe, uh, maybe we can have some fun on Saturday, Chad. We'll talk to you uh, before the game, and uh, have a great trip, bud. I appreciate it, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. That's Chad Drenning. Love that dude. Absolutely, positively. Love that dude. Uh, when we come back, yeah. By the way, Josh, anything you wanted to add? I didn't know how much you had dove into West Virginia. This was kind of, this was kind of my thoughts. All right, I was just kind of wanting to get his thoughts before I really dove into it. Just but, a couple of sideline guys hanging out. Yeah, just a couple dudes hanging out, chilling. What? Any anything that caught your ear from that? Anything that you've seen from old uh, West V? Well, obviously they're better and. You know, the, the signs of some of that were starting last season, unfortunately, against Oklahoma in part. But uh, they're a lot better this season. I mean, for them, for Coach Brown, you know, you hope that uh, for his case, maybe he saved his job. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Neil a lot. They shot us down to get him on the show and on the radio, uh, pregame radio network. They say Neil doesn't do opposing teams radio. That's fine. A lot of people aren't. But we'll hear from him when the week rolls on. All right, there's Jed. Your reaction as we get set for West Virginia. Coming up, top of the hour, the Brent Venables press conference, the highlights, and more right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Can't think, Josh Helmer, can't think of a better way to wrap up hour number one than by saying good morning to USC Brian. What's going on, USC Brian? How are you, man? You know, I would say uh, it's always good in neighborhood, but it ain't good in this neighborhood right now. Uh-oh. Especially, especially when uh, you got people like uh, uh, Dabo Sweeney getting mad at a twelve-year-old because a twelve-year-old called him out. That's real mature, right? And then, and then uh, OU has one job and can't beat and, and can't beat the Cowboys. So I'm sick of that too. But I'm calling in because. They have the audacity to try to pull Michigan over the coals and try to uh, suspend or kick them out of the playoffs or whatever. This is the biggest bunch of bogus crap I've ever heard of in my life. See, let them go ahead and suspend Harbaugh again. Let them go ahead and do it because they've already said that they're going to sue. And if they sue... It could bring down the whole house of cards that is the college football playoff. Why? Because everybody has done this at least once or twice a season. But they could solve all this problem. All they need to do is put a headset in the quarterback's helmet and put a headset in the captain of the defense's helmet. And then they could send in all the signals they want to. But every time it comes up, what happens? Every college votes against it. Why? Because they want to stay antiquated. So you get what you pay for, but I guarantee you, you go ahead and you can suspend Harbaugh all you want to. You take Michigan out of the playoffs, you're going to you're gonna go down a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. 
And if you go down that rabbit hole, you're going to pay for it. The NCAA is non-existent anyway, so I'm, we, nobody ever cares about what they think. But I guarantee you, you do this, college football will be tainted for the rest of, of the time it, they even play games. Why? Because they don't want to even take care of the real problems. They want to take care of what makes them feel, oh, they're picking on me. Oh, that big team just beat me. Stop it. Just stop it. Appreciate your phone call, USC, Brian. Hope you have a great day. I will say I'm not a believer that Michigan should be booted from the playoffs, and I don't think that that's going to happen. I would also add something obviously took place here, right? Now the question becomes how much did they benefit and then who all benefited as well because now what, Josh? We have reports of – Michigan having evidence at Purdue shared stuff with Ohio State. Ohio. Everyone, everyone that's a Michigan man is not only do they have Connor Stallion's story to a T, right? Not only, in fact, I think what he was suing a Michigan State guy because he claimed he was trying to keep him from building Michigan into a giant. I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. The stories that are blowing up around this. But every Michigan person now has a law degree and is an IT specialist on Twitter. It's fantastic. I don't think they're going to get booted from the playoffs. But I do have a story for you about change and innovation that is coming involving helmet technology and the receiver, not the wide receiver, the ear receiver. We'll dive into it next.